You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast. I'm Lauren Roche alongside Dylan Spilko, and today we have a special Saturday edition of the Testudo Times Podcast where we'll be talking about all the Olympic sports that we haven't talked about in a while. And what better place to start than um, the rematch of the national championship game for men's lacrosse. Maryland men's lacrosse is now 7-0. and And most recently, they faced um, Virginia, number two Virginia. It was a matchup between the number one and the number two team in the country. And a rematch of last year's national championship game. Um, Maryland lost the national championship game 17-16. to At one point, they were down by four. They kind of were climbing back from this deficit, but they outscored UVA 5-3 to in that fourth quarter to almost pull off that comeback. With 10 seconds left in that game, um, Luke Weirman, who's the face-off specialist, won the draw, tried to score, fired the shot, and UVA saved it to win the game. And so this time, it was completely different, and a big part of that kind of had to do with Luke Weirman, which we'll get into later. But Maryland had a dominant 23-12 to win over number two Virginia, showing that, at least right now, big gap between the number one and number two teams in the country. Keegan Khan scored four goals, led the team, um, earned Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week because of it. Luke Weirman was Big Ten Offensive Specialist of the Week because of it. Dylan, what would you say kind of your – um, overall impressions of that game were kind of your takeaways from that big rematch. Yes. Hi, Lauren. How are we? Um, yeah, the, the takeaways from that game, you know, number one, number two, it's that was probably the most anticipated matchup of Maryland's regular season. It was played at Audi Field. There was a decent crowd there. And Maryland was clearly out for blood in this one. They were clearly out for some kind of massive, massive revenge. And rightfully so. You lose to a team like Virginia, a four seed last year in the in the lacrosse championships. Maryland came in as a three seed, and Virginia came away with that 17-16 win. And for a team as talented as Maryland, that could have been anybody's championship game. I remember watching that one. But it just comes to show how, how much that it really stuck with Maryland last year just by looking at this game and, and looking at the final score of 23-12. to if you just look at the score in general, I mean, it looks like any other score on Maryland's schedule. And they've only, I mean, how many times have they beaten teams by double digits? Once, twice. This was the third time they beat a team by double digits. And they've played teams that are are not as talented as Virginia. Virginia is, I think, you know, a top three team no matter what. And probably the top two. It's them and Maryland who's going to be contending for a, a national championship. And for Maryland to come out in that first half and to, to pile on five goals in the first quarter, then to add another seven in the second quarter to already take a, a strong 12 to six lead into half. I think that was too much for Virginia to overcome. And then in the fourth quarter, eight goals for Maryland really sealed the game. There were a lot of goals late in that game. I remember. So just a really big statement win by Maryland. And you said that gap between number one and number two, it goes from a small margin to, a huge, huge, or not a huge margin, but a much, much larger margin than it was previously. Yeah, and I think you look at just overall who contributed to this when Maryland had so many scores. Uh, we touched upon it before. Keegan Kahn led the way with four goals. Logan Wisnaskis, Jonathan Donville, Owen Murphy each had three goals. But it kind of brings me to this interesting point. We've talked a lot about the transfer portal when it comes to men's basketball specifically, but looking at right now, 
Keegan Khan came from Villanova, Jonathan Donville came from Cornell, both of them are graduate students, and then you have Owen Murphy who came over from Johns Hopkins, another strong, all relatively solid lacrosse programs. And Owen Murphy's younger, he's an underclassman, he's a sophomore, but Donville's the number two scorer on the team, Keegan Khan's the number three scorer um, on the team, and Donville's the only other player on the team, aside from Wisnaskis, who has 23 goals, to have double-digit goals. So when you kind of look at what the transfers have been able to bring to this team, specifically on the offense. I mean, just this trio of Con, Donville, and Murphy, kind of what they've been able to do. What do you kind of see from them that you're liking? I see, you know, what I see when I'm just looking at the numbers themselves, I see a group with a lot of experience that can, not that Maryland wasn't already at the next level. I mean, it just puts their ceiling, it just raises their ceiling even higher than what it originally was. Especially when you consider that, I, I want to specifically point out Keegan Khan because he specifically had a really good game against Virginia after going four straight or five or four straight games without a goal. He had just one goal in his last five games entering the game against Virginia, and then he comes away with four goals, three assists for seven total points, seven shots on the six shots on goal. So four goals on six shots, and that was the most shot attempts that he's taken all season. Keegan Khan has. And he matched his season-high uh, output of goals in a single game with four. So just, it's just a small example of these graduate students and these transfers really stepping up when it matters most. And Keegan Khan is definitely one of the most impactful transfers on this team. And you talk about guys like Jonathan Donville as well. And, the, I mean, this whole team is just filled with talent everywhere. And Donville's another guy, a midfielder who's had hat-tricks in back-to-back games. I mean, there's just talent all over the field for this team. And – as we saw in that Virginia game, it is very much so impossible to stop. Eventually, late in the game, you could tell in the fourth quarter that Maryland was just really just raining it on Virginia at the end to just add salt into the wounds, and just about everyone was scoring. Uh, Wisnowskis added some goals. Uh, or Yeah, Wisnowskis added some goals in the fourth. Donville added a goal. Daniel Maltz, it was, I think there was a different Terp in that eight-goal fourth quarter to score. So it just really attested to the team's depth. and the transfers have obviously been a really big part of this team's success. And this season, just after that win alone, all of a sudden it's championship or bust. Because if you beat the number two team in the nation by that much, it's either you win the championship or you, you didn't meet, you know, what everybody thinks your potential is. So those transfers are certainly going to help to try to get Maryland there. And right now they're doing a great job. Yeah. And I think a big thing about the transfers as well is that you talk about how they raise this already incredibly high high ceiling that Maryland men's lacrosse has. But, you know, Maryland had, I think, a huge loss by losing Jared Bernhardt for this season. You know, he elected to use this year. He what, he played football at Ferris State, you know, Division II school, got a national championship there as well, really just has collected accolades across sports, across schools. But Huge loss for Maryland. I mean, he is Maryland's all-time record holder in points and goals and single-season points and single-season goals, and the list continues to go on. And I think that, you know, his performance earned him the Tourton Award last year. And I think that when you lose a leader and a player like Jared Bernhardt, I think it can be expected that, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a drop-off. It wouldn't be fair to say that all of, these, all of the success for Maryland came from him before this. It's not even close to true. Maryland has always been a very well-rounded team. But I kind of remember that national championship and them kind of losing it and kind of a sentiment being almost like if they couldn't do it with Bernhardt, 
where like when can they do it again and it is just so clear that they could be able to do that again like without a doubt and those transfers really helped fill that gap and Wisnaskis has been an incredibly strong player as I think people knew he would be but it's easy for Wisnaskis to kind of have all these players around him who are able to kind of supplement his talent and Maryland men's lacrosse and Maryland lacrosse in general women's included is known for having a ton of depth of talent but I think this year we're seeing so much how spread out that is. And a lot of that kind of comes from these transfers and just kind of what they have been able to do. And then, you know, just shifting gears from not only did Maryland's offense kind of just push um, UVA into this corner, but the defense performed incredibly well um, as well. But I think something to point out is how Maryland was able to kind of turn offense or defense into offense um, kind of the big one of the big storylines of the day was Brett Maycar scored his first career goal. He's been with the program for four years. He's a big leader on this team, senior leader. He, you know, um, helped clear the ball out in transition and was able to, um, you know, get it down the field and score with that long stick. And that photo has been everywhere, all over Twitter. It's the cover story, uh, the cover photo for our site and many other sites for that story. And you know, he kind of was able to clinch that first goal. And then the perfect segue from offense to defense is kind of looking at how Maryland's defense really turned things into offense in this matchup. Um, Maryland's defense did a great job at holding UVA um, well below what they're able to do. Uh, They held them to three goals per quarter, which is a big feat for Maryland. And then also had two defensive players Um, make big plays in terms of on the offense. You had Brett Maycar make that um, incredible goal in transition with his long stick and, you know, kind of clearly rile up his team. He is a senior. He's been with the program for four years, um, has been said to have incredible leadership and got his first career goal, big deal. And then also um, graduate defenseman Matt Rahill also had a goal. Um, You know, his was from 60 yards or something like that out and he um, shot it and it went into the net and that was his first goal in a few years as well. So just kind of having that, when you look at the defense and what Maryland's defense does, how do you think it's kind of helping get them to uh, keep them at this next level and how did it help them uh, secure this win over Virginia? Well, I think simply put, I think it's, it's really difficult to, to beat the number one team in the nation when you're turning the ball over 17 times. And that's exactly what Virginia did. And you're going to come away with a, maybe not most of the time you're going to come away with a double digit loss, but I think Maryland was, was the better team on the field. You know, as much as the score does scream to the fan about how much Maryland dominated this game, you could just tell that Maryland looked like the better team throughout the, throughout the entire game. And the defense was a big reason why. Maryland did have 13 turnovers, but forcing Virginia into 17 turnovers, and then you account the, for the, uh, the controls and McNanny's nine saves at the end of the day. Virginia only fired off 34 shots and only landed 21 on target, while Maryland finished with 53 shots and 38 shots on target. So Maryland's, I, Maryland's offense and defense really edged Virginia in this game, and the turnovers were a big reason why. And Maryland was able to, to take advantage. And I think the same goes for just about any sport. If you turn a team over and you're able to take advantage, that already puts you in uh, two steps ahead of your opponent. So Maryland did exactly what it needed to do on a, a neutral site against the number two team in the nation and needed to be aggressive and needed to turn them over. And it's, that's exactly what it did. And it, it came, it, rightfully so, it came away with an 11-goal victory. 
Yeah, and something that is pretty, um, was kind of symbolic of the way that this Maryland game went was, you know, Maryland could not have done this without the contributions that Luke Weirman had made in this last game. He won the faceoff. He um, won them 20 to 25 to 14, I believe, and just absolutely dominated. But eight seconds into the game against the number two team in the country, Luke Weirman wins the faceoff and takes it straight to goal and hits the goal. And it's almost kind of like that is the goal that he could have, he probably only had hoped to have done last season when he had the ball in those final 10 seconds of the game. And he had an incredible performance as we just touched upon big 10 offensive specialists of the, of the week, but he's had a huge improvement since last year. Maryland has talked about Maryland being at an even higher level in this already top tier level. And a lot of that has to do with Luke Weirman. Where have you kind of seen him improve from last season? And you know, what kind of jump have you seen in terms of even just looking at the numbers? You know, he's, he's Weirman is just such a talented player, and you can tell when players of his caliber just mean so much to a team. And, and, and I think that that's just what you have in the, in the case of Weirman. You know, he doesn't put up the stats. He's more of the guy that keeps things flowing on this Maryland team. And without gaining possession and, you know, winning a significant amount of the face-offs that he has throughout his career and throughout his time in Maryland, I, I, I think that, you know, it's hard to, to lose with a guy of that caliber. You can compare it to kind of like a, a midfielder in soccer, a guy that kind of controls play and gives your team possessions and does the little things that might not show up on the final statue. You know, he's not scoring the goals. He's not getting the assists, but he's getting his team valuable possessions. And he's, he's like the, the middle guy between Maryland's success because you look at the stats and you see Keegan Kahn and Logan Wisnowskis and Jonathan Donville really – stepping up for this team in the goals and points department. But then there's a whole other section of this team where, you know, everybody plays a significant role. And Weirman is just as important as the goal scorers on this team. And for his development to uh, eventually be as good as he is on faceoffs, to be one of the best in the nation percentage-wise, it's just really impressive for his development. And without him, uh, Maryland doesn't get as many as possessions as it does. And maybe this scores a little closer if you look at the Virginia game. Yeah, and something that I just want to point out is last year, um, face-off specialist Justin Shockey took majority of the face-offs, but Luke Weirman did get in significant reps. He um, was on the field for 192 face-offs, and he won 87 of them, so that's about 45%. And this season, he is already doing better. Percentage-wise, yes, but also he's already won more face-offs than he did last season. He's been on the field for only 169 um, face-offs compared to the 192 last season. He's already won 114, so that's 67.5% conversion rate on the face-offs, and that's the third best percentage in the country. So he went from last year being kind of like almost like a second option on the team for face-offs, quite honestly, to being, or a split guy on the team, to being the sole person with the job and clearly getting it done in quite a dominant fashion on a national level or get on a big 10 level on a national level. So, you know, because of Luke Weirman, because of all these players and these pieces, Maryland is able to really just string together um, complete games on all three levels. Kind of when you look at face off offense, defense, and because of that, they've had four of their seven games this season, they have scored 20 plus goals, which is quite a feat. And yeah, pretty much kind of wrapping up with, Maryland men's lacrosse, they will have a Big Ten game against Penn State. Um, John Tillman has said that, you know, they've moved on from this Virginia game, kind of in the back pocket, moving forward to Penn State. Penn State sits sits at 2-6. and They'll play tomorrow, Sunday, at 7 p.m. And kind of 
um, hope to kind of get things going with the Big Ten there. Yeah, and then we can move on to women's lacrosse, just another dominant sports program at the University of Maryland, not very surprising. The LAX team has risen up all the way in the rankings to the number three spot in the nation, and they are coming off of plenty of dominant wins. They say with an 8-0 record, 5-0 at home, 3-0 on the road, they're on an eight-game win streak to start off the season that started all the way back in early February. And they're coming off a couple of dominant wins. They've taken down three ranked teams this season, the most recent one coming against number 12 Rutgers, a Big Ten matchup in Maryland, just absolutely dominated en route to a 16-6 win. Maryland played Penn last Wednesday and came away with a 15-11 win to make it eight straight for them. And they'll be playing against James Madison on Saturday. So that'll be another ranked matchup for this team. And then it's it's crazy because the season is, is so short. So every game is really important for this women's lacrosse team. So every game against a Big Ten team, like a win against Rutgers, is really big for the Slacks team moving forward. And obviously with all the success is coming a lot of Big Ten honors as well. Uh, uh, Jordan Lipkin, she was the midfielder of the week and the freshman of the week. She had five points on three goals and two assists in that game against against Rutgers. And and then there's Hannah Lubecker at a team high, six points on four goals and two assists. She was the co-offensive Big Ten player of the week. And just Maryland's defense in general getting the job done and just taking care of opponents left and right. Lauren, what do you have to say about this women's lacrosse team and where are they trending? Yeah, up, 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 up. I think that Maryland women's lacrosse has a um, just as fantastic um, as a reputation as the men's program that we were just talking about. These teams are expected to be national championship contenders year in and year out. And Maryland women's lacrosse had a little bit of a lull. The season that was cut short They started off, they had a bit of a rocky start. They lost to Florida early on there. And then um, last season had an earlier exit from the tour, an earlier end to the season than they would have liked. And now it is just, it looks like in, you know, a Maryland women's lacrosse team from a few years ago. Um, Kathy Reese is leading this team with, you know, not quite a sense of urgency, I wouldn't say, but just the same standard that she always has. And she has the pieces right now to get it done. Um, that win over Rutgers uh, to open up Big Ten play. Rutgers was ranked 12th in the nation. Um, absolutely dominated. Um, Rutgers came into the uh, matchup averaging more than 16 goals per game. And Emily Sterling just let up six goals, had 10 saves. Um, she's been incredible in goal for Maryland and has um, done a really nice job at kind of establishing herself as, you know, the, the main starter for this Maryland team. You mentioned Hannah Lubecker, who had – her six points, four goals, two assists. She was a big name last year. She was a player that was coming up a lot. Um, this season has flown a little bit more under the radar, but really had a great game against Rutgers. And then you look at Jordan Lipkin, who is just a freshman and is coming in, and you know she's fantastic if Kathy Reese is playing her early and often, which has been happening, and she's been making an impact. She had five points on three goals and two assists against Rutgers, as you had mentioned. And then when they played Penn earlier this week, she also had a strong performance. She had a couple goals late in the game when Penn looked like it was kind of clawing back. And, you know, Maryland then picked up the 15-11 to win, I believe, over Penn. And again, um, Hannah Lubecker had a strong game. Emily Sterling had a strong game. Um, Jordan Lipkin had a strong game. But a player kind of when you talk about Maryland women's lacrosse right now, 
We talked about the transfer portal. The player that stays out stands out is graduate attacker Aurora accordingly. She has been unbelievable for Maryland and really has just been a key piece to this puzzle for Maryland. And you ask where I think Maryland is trending. It's upward, and a lot of it has to do with just the team play that they've had. Um, accordingly, has been a leader in points, and a lot of her points come off assists. When they played um, Penn, she had six points on four assists and two goals. So just kind of looking at Aurora accordingly, you know, her name's been everywhere. Her highlights have been everywhere. She does it rightfully so. Like, kind of what have you seen from her? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of video game numbers. That's exactly what I'm seeing. She's just an unbelievable player for this team. And just as I I mentioned uh, about Keegan Khan and all those transfers on the Maryland men's lacrosse team, this women's lax team is a lot of big-time players as well that love stepping up in big-time moments. And accordingly, is just no different at all. In the three ranked games that Maryland played this season against, I believe it was, uh, it was the Rutgers game, Virginia, and Florida, she had a hat trick in every single game. So she's just one of the biggest benefactors of this Maryland success so far, and she's a big reason as to why this team is undefeated. If you just, just, if you just look at like her game log, her stats are just unbelievable. And her last game against Penn, it, it was probably one of her worst games of the season. She had a season low two goals, and you know there are not many people that that score goals. And for her to have a season low of, of two goals and to still come away with four assists for six points. I mean, just her point, she's had two games with double-digit points this year. With It's just unbelievable. And she put up 10 points against Florida, 11 against Villanova. She had a six, and that Villanova game was a six-goal game as well. It, it, you're running out of words what to say, what else to say about Aurora accordingly, because she can lead this team to a national title with what she's able to do. She is by far and wide the the, the points leader on this team. She has 57 points on the year, 32 goals, 25 assists. The next best turf is Hannah Lubecker, who has just 32 points. So a 25-point gap between uh, the team's best player and the second-best player, while you're also the number three team in the nation, is just an embarrassment of, of riches. And that's what Maryland women's lacrosse has right now with Aurora Accordingly. So Aurora Accordingly leads the nation in points per game. She has 7.29 points per game. I believe she's the only player right now in Division One lacrosse for women averaging that. and then. She has 30 goals, 21 assists, you know, fifth in the nation in goals per game, uh, third in the nation in assists per game. Last season, so she has 30 goals now. Last season at Johns Hopkins, she had 39 goals across the entire season. She already has exceeded her assists from last season. She had 18 assists last season, 21 assists this season for a total of 57 points last season. She led the team in points and goals, right? Um, Johns Hopkins had... A, a solid year, but what is different about Maryland? Why, what caused this jump? I think when she transferred from Johns Hopkins to Maryland, it was, you know, for her graduate year, for this fifth year, this extra year that she has. Um, it's clear that she's coming, that she's coming to Maryland for a reason, but what do you think makes Maryland different where she's able to just kind of explode the way she has? She's always been a strong player. She's always been the leader on the team, but why here? Is she still the leader and still the standout? It's, it's because this team is just, it's so filled with talent. And if you add just one plug-in of a player of the caliber of accordingly, it just creates this entire ripple effect 
amongst the, you know, amongst the roster where there was already enough talent on this team to produce last year, despite just finishing 10 and seven, six and five at conference play, obviously not a, a fantastic year for this team. They ended their NCAA tournament run with a loss to number seven Duke by just one goal. So that's how they, they they're coming in with a lot of vengeance this year. You got to keep that in mind. And then you add a player that's as talented as a rule accordingly and all of a sudden, that motivation becomes a reality when you see how much talent you have on this team, and all those, all the, you know, all the other players that are now below, uh, accordingly on on just the amount of point totals on the roster this season. You got players like Hannah Lubecker and, and Libby May, who's been a long time turf. You got players that have have been here for some time, and you add in freshmen like Jordan Lipkin, and you have just a, a, a huge, huge display of talent on this team. And, you know, it all starts with Cordingly up top, but then it opens up so much more when teams are solely focusing on her on one side of the field. It opens up just about everything else on this field for Maryland. And it's resulted in a high-flying offense that you can't just focus on one person. You have to focus on every single player on the field, which is allowing Quarterly to put up these video game-esque numbers to score 30-something goals in just eight games. So it's been really unbelievable to see what her addition has done to this team. And it's going to be really tough to envisioning Maryland losing a game in the regular season the rest of the way. Yeah. And just the last thing that I have to say about accordingly is that um, Kathy Reese is very adamant about how much she loves accordingly's gameplay because of how her points are coming from assists. Yes. Her points are coming from goals, but I've heard it. I heard Kathy Reese said it. I heard, um, Maryland women's lacrosse icon Taylor Cummings was um, doing the broadcast for one of the games and talked about it as well. Accordingly does not just take the ball to goal and get all her points that way and lead the team that way. It's her assists that really make her stand out, I would say. And on Maryland, she just has so many weapons and so many people to kind of dish the ball out to. And yeah, she's somebody, a lot of the time, sometimes going to have the open look and be able to take it straight to the cage. But quite honestly, what really makes her stand out is just her ability to dish the ball out and be able to, um, you know, kind of spread the love across to her teammates. But, you know, um, Maryland women's lacrosse uh, has a tough matchup ahead. They'll face number 21, James Madison at home on Saturday, and that should be a tough matchup for the Terps. But I agree with you. Um, I think it's going to be tough for Maryland to drop a home, uh, to drop a game this season if they continue playing at the level that they've been playing and, um, but James Madison will kind of provide that challenge, similar to how Rutgers did, but Maryland showed what happened that time. And so shifting gears again now to baseball, another team that's doing very well. Baseball is 17-3 and three at the moment, and they have won eight of their last nine. They have only losses to Michigan, ECU, and Delaware. Delaware, they lost to the second time after winning 14-4 the first time. What is standing out to you about this start on this team and just kind of how they've been able to – I think expectations were high for this team coming in. They were coming off a pretty strong season last year. But was anybody really thinking – like, were you thinking that they could get off to this strong of a start and kind of continue on with it now over 20 games into the season? You know, they, they ended off last season with that loss to, to ECU after, you know, a, a brilliant season by, by Maryland standards. It really rose the program to new heights. And then starting this year, they get off to their, their best start in program history. And 
what's really, I think, the takeaway from the first 20 games of the season, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy long and grueling season that's going to feature a ton of games. And for Maryland to only have three losses at this point of the season against primarily non-conference opponents is, is really strong because this, this sets the tone for the rest of the season. And for me, what I'm seeing is that the, what makes this team so – it can be special. And why is because the ceilings for the, the batters and the pitching, like the, the ceilings for both sides of, you know, both aspects of this team are sky high. The pitching, the starting pitching is brilliant for Maryland. You have Ryan Ramsey, Jason Savicool, and Nick Dean, who have a combined record of 11-1. and one. That's just phenomenal for your team's top three starters. They're going to give it a go every weekend besides midweeks. And then you have a guy like Logan Ott who's filling in on – on these midweek games and Vaughn has been pulling him early, but he's been solid. And then you forget that's a combined 11 and one record out of the three starting Maryland pitchers on the weekend starters. And then you just look at the runs that Maryland has been able to put up in the last few games in, in the three game series against Siena, they put up 14 then seven then 19. And then they come against UMBC and put up set 13 on the road. So this team, it is capable of running you out of the park with its hitting ability, but it also has, the ceiling of we can shut you down with our pitching as well. And I think that's exactly what's been a real big game changer for Maryland this year. And the pitching and the hitting has all taken new heights and Maryland is really breeding some stars and they'll get a taste of what they can do um, against Dallas Baptist in their three game series. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Maryland comes out of this three game series against Dallas Baptist. And then they, they're getting close to Big Ten play. So it's it's been really good for Maryland so far this season, obviously, with the 17-3 record. But this, this offense has been far and away just phenomenal. And I would just say one player definitely contributing to Maryland's success, especially recently, has been right fielder Troy Schreffler. He um, recently earned Big Ten Player of the Week after the Delaware and then this, the second Delaware game and then the Siena games. In that stretch, he had nine hits for a um, – you know, two home runs, nine RBIs, eight runs in those four games. He now has the best batting average on the team and the most hits, and he has just been an impact player for Maryland. He's had a couple big catches, one that I believe made the Sports Center top 10 in the field and has really just been an impact player on, you know, when it comes to hitting, but also when it comes to feeling. So he's definitely made an impact. And, yeah, I would just say all around this Maryland team is also on an upward trajectory. I would say that. Um, Maryland, at, like uh, between lacrosse, both lacrosses and baseball, these teams really seem to be on the up and up and all off to very solid starts. Yeah, ba- baseball is really rolling right now. Every sport is rolling. And there are a bunch of other sports that we have to get to. And with that, I think we got to go right into our speed round. We got a couple of sports to go over track and field, gymnastics, women's tennis and softball. So we have a, a bunch to go over. So Lauren, take it away. Speed round. Yeah, so just kind of some of the highlights from around Maryland athletics recently. Softball sits at um, 13 and 14 before their series with Penn State. Um, They will open up Big Ten play with their series against Penn State. Um, Maryland picked up a win over North Dakota State recently, and that was head coach Mark Montgomery's 600th career win. So as a head coach after that game, he had, was 600 and 553. He has 44 wins at Maryland, and that is with three seasons at Maryland. So that is softball. For track and field, 
um, Maryland had Alice Barnesdale. She set a facility record at Maryland in the hammer throw. There is more coverage on that on our site if you want to read more about it. And they have for next for them, they are in Orlando right now for the UCF Knights um, invite that is taking place in Orlando. And so they'll see if they can kind of build off of that start that they had at home. Gymnastics placed sixth in the Big Ten Championships. Audrey Barber has been um, also all over kind of this all over, um, you know, Twitter and the headlines this year. She has been an incredible piece for Maryland. She has set records. She has broken score records for Maryland. And this Maryland team, again, really has been in a groove in the, they will have the um, NCAA regionals from March 31st to April 2nd. And for that, they will be facing um, Michigan, UCLA, LSU, Missouri, Iowa, um, NC State. And then I believe it's the winner between Towson and North Carolina. And that is in North Carolina. And then lastly, to wrap this up is women's tennis. They are 12 and one at, before they play Illinois Friday. And they have 10 consecutive wins, which is the longest program streak in over 20 years. This is another program that has had transfers come in and make a big impact. Last season, for comparison, they picked up just three wins the entire season, and they are now 12 and one. So they have fewer losses right now than the number of wins that they had last year. So they have been also on the up and up. So overall, right now for Maryland Athletics, there's a lot going on, um, a lot of excitement here in the spring sports, and continue to stick around for all of Testudo Times' coverage. All right, there's the spring sports update. We went over all the Olympic sports on this special Saturday edition podcast. We thank you so much for listening, and we'll get back to you soon. So thank you so much, and that'll be all.